Greetings all and welcome to the Courageous Path podcast with me, Rachel Horton White and Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. You can learn more about me at www.soulfulworkconsulting.com and don't forget to subscribe or follow this podcast here to get the latest interviews as they come up. I am an intuitive coach, spiritual teacher, and writer. I work with people searching to uncover who they really are and what they're meant to be doing. Merging the spiritual with the everyday through thoughts, emotions, and energy, I support people like you to break through stuck patterns and find your true inner self. I hope you enjoy today's interview. I'm so excited to share today an interview with my own uncle, Keenan Dakota, who has lived for about 35 years on Twin Oaks Community, which is one of the oldest and most well-established intentional communities in the United States, in Louisa, Virginia. I wanted to talk to Keenan because I personally am interested in the concept of communal living. And in our conversation, Keenan will share how Twin Oaks works, how intentional communities work like Twin Oaks, which is a full income sharing community, and why this might represent a better way of living for people who are looking to escape from capitalistic society and live a better, more utopian life. Hope you enjoy. Well, Keenan, I am very excited to be talking to you at long last about your life on Twin Oaks. Great. <laughs> so I, um, I've known you for my whole life, and for most of my life, you have lived in Twin Oaks, which is an intentional community in Virginia. Um, and really, I'm interested, especially, to talk to you today to learn because. I see lots of people who are really tired of living in the daily grind of, you know, United States capitalistic society and, and are looking for a better way of living. And, and I think a lot of people are interested in learning more about intentional communities like Twin Oaks and you happen to live on one of them that's been the longest one around. So, yeah. So let me start with just saying a little bit about Twin Oaks. Okay. Okay. Yes. So we just recently had our 50th anniversary. So Twin Oaks was started in 1967 by eight people. Um, but now there's um, 105 people living here, 89 adults and 16 children on 500 acres of land that mm. we own outright. So we don't have any debt for any of that. And um, the age range, like there's little babies here and the oldest member is 85 and we have a pretty even age span uh, all the way through there. Um, And I moved here in 1983. So as of now, I have been here for 35 years. And uh, the two boys I raised, Rowan and Arlo, were both born here. And they are still both living here. Um, Arlo is 24 now. And Rowan is 22 and um, uh, Rowan is going to a community college and hoping to transfer to a four-year university pretty soon. Yeah. 
it's and we were just there uh, as you know just last month so it was really really cool to see how it's changed but also kind of the same in some ways changed but different from when i was there when i was a little kid and over uh -huh. the years so anyway um can you so can you describe a little bit about how twin oaks works on a daily basis and what it's like living there um sure so the the main thing is that it is a little bit unfamiliar for how people uh, typically are expected to live. Like mm -hmm. in the mainstream, you know, you go to school and you're expected to become a firefighter or lawyer or teacher or doctor. <laughs> um, yeah. And Twin Oaks is by a different set of assumptions. So basically the, the deal is everybody here has to work um, in whatever area of the community. Um, and work about 42 hours a week. Hmm. And for those 42 hours, and we run several businesses, um, all the money goes into the community and everybody's expenses are covered. So that includes medical expenses. We have vehicles. Nobody has their own vehicle. You can take a vehicle to town anytime you want. Your housing is covered. Your food is covered. Um, some college expenses for the kids are covered. Hmm. So um, the the way it works out is if you come and live at Twin Oaks and contribute your labor, then you will never be poor. You know, you can live here your whole life. You'll be taken care of in retirement. And uh, we have a health facility, not specifically a hospice, but a health facility to take care of people when they get older and are declining. And so our commitment, the community's commitment, is to take care of people through their whole lives. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so the downside of that, because there's a downside, is like, yeah. you know, I, I can say with confidence, if you come to live at Twinix, you'll never experience um, privation, you'll never experience poverty, you'll never experience unemployment. However, you'll never get wealthy. And for most people, that trade-off is not worth it. Like, even the poorest poor person has the hope that someday they're going to hit the jackpot and become wealthy. And to say <laughs> to somebody, like, Nope, we're all in this together, and all of our boats will rise the same amount, and so we can become a little bit better off, or a little bit worse off, depending on the year. Um, but as a community, we're not going to become wealthy. Like, individuals will not become wealthy here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think to people that are going to listen to this, I think people see that that wealth is almost an illusion and it's like this and, and it almost becomes this thing of that we're taught to always strive for but even when you if you do get it it's still not enough <laughs> so i think people are starting to see that that maybe that's not really what matters in life <laughs> well and, so, i mean what else does is we don't earn very much money per person it's like seven thousand dollars per year per person it's not very much but mm -hmm. what we do as a community is that what wealth we create, we create wealth by sharing. So yes. if you imagine a neighborhood of like 10 houses, there's 10 lawnmowers, maybe 20 cars. So if there were two lawnmowers, then that releases a lot of resources. If there were, say, seven cars instead of 15 cars, that releases a lot of resources. If there is, if people rotate um, serving dinner, 
like there's one dinner served in the neighborhood and everybody goes to that house, then that would release a lot of labor and resources. And basically, mm-hmm. we just take that concept of sharing um, and we create a fair amount of wealth that way. For instance, mm-hmm. at our community, we have a sauna. You know, it's not a big expense. It's a big expense for one person to have a sauna in their backyard. Yes. For 100 people to have a sauna, is that not that big a deal? Yes. We hired a bulldozer and put in a pond. And so we have a pond with the mm-hmm. sauna right next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a music studio. Like we have a, a room with a bunch of musical equipment that people could use anytime. Um, and we also have a, a collective room where uh, is our wood shop. And there's a table saw and a band saw and a bunch of tools. And a lot more tools than most people could afford just on their own, but yes. when you're distributing that expense among a bunch of among a bunch of people and everybody is sharing those tools, because you don't need a circular saw every day, you just need a, like mm-hmm. once a month or mm-hmm. a, a table saw. Yeah. Um, so, so that is how we create wealth by sharing. Yeah. I I feel you know you know that work I do nowadays is very spiritual and focused, and so the way I I um, am particularly interested, and a lot of people are interested in the, the way that people at Twin Oaks live because of what you just said of sharing, the sharing um, economy, sharing resources, sharing food. And, and, you know, my perspective is that our consumer-based society is crumbling. <laughs> and I think that, that we're moving in that direction where people are going to be forced to start sharing things more because the way we've been living is just not sustainable. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the next step, I mean, that's just sort of the, the financial, tangible level of, like, if you can share your resources, then you feel a little more wealthy. But yeah. the, what is a byproduct of that, and not necessarily was Twin Oaks' focus, was in order to share things, you have to talk to people. And so what is created here is a great deal of social connection. And mm-hmm. so people, like nobody is lonely. Like people, we have meetings. We sit around and talk to each other. We know that we are going to support each other um, in sickness and in health. And mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that we are trying to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the, the benefits of living in a communal existence is not just financial but more spiritual, that you feel connected to more people. Um, And it is maintained not because we want to be a specifically spiritual community, but it is maintained because we are committed to each other financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that people feel, you know, that that speaks to another need that's not being met to a lot of, for a lot of people, I think, which is that lack of connection, you know, saying messaging somebody on Facebook is not the same as sitting down and eating with them. So, um, right. um, well, let, let me yeah. say a little bit more about how Twin Oaks works. Yes. Just filled it in. Um, yeah. because we don't commute to jobs. Like Twin Oaks has started several businesses. Um, so one is a seeds business, Southern exposure seed exchange. And the point of that is to maintain the genetic diversity of garden vegetables Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Monsanto has created these terminator seeds um, so that they will grow for one season and not propagate themselves. 
and we yeah. want to maintain heritage and heirloom um, lines of vegetables that are not that common um, mm-hmm. because we don't want to lose our genetic diversity. So anyway, mm-hmm. that one of our businesses is growing and selling those. Another mm-hmm. one is that we make and sell hammocks. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy product to make and it, it provides a fair amount of support for us. For us. And mm-hmm. we also make um, tofu. Like that is our biggest source of income is making tofu, which is like a meat substitute. You know, it's a, a healthy food to eat and uh, it helps um, for people who want to have a vegetarian diet. Yeah. Um, yep. We have other smaller businesses, which is we have an indexing business. We have a flower business where we grow um, local flowers for like the farmer's market and for uh, weddings and things like hmm. that. What's, it, what's are, an index? It, sorry, what's an indexing business? <laughs> so it's, um, <laughs> we have that with various academic presses. So when you go to the back of a, a textbook, there's an index. And so they send us blueprints. Okay, yeah, literally. <laughs> right, uh, blueprints of the uh, uh, of their book, and then we go through and underline the nouns and create the index. Okay, um, got that it. is for people who want don't want to work outside, and want to do slightly more intellectual work. Okay, that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm. But and there also is a handful of entrepreneurs here, so it is possible to come mm-hmm. here, sort of start your own business, but mm-hmm. the the income comes to the community. For instance, there is somebody here who made, makes handmade furniture. And it is pretty high-end stuff, very skilled sort of work. So it's not something a bunch of people can plug into. And he has traveled um, around the United States and traveled around Europe to teach people um, how to use hand tools and to, to make these uh, very beautiful handmade furniture in a way that people don't make it anymore. And wow. so he has purchased the tools through the income. So he, is, he has very low risk of failure. Like the it's community just... would absorb the risk. But again, on the other side, um, he's not going to become wealthy doing this. Mm-hmm. But he loves this work, and he's happy to have the community uh, support the work and any excess income uh, mm-hmm. comes to the community because then he can pursue his art and his passion. Yeah. So it is not mandatory if it's somebody who comes to live at Twin Oaks has to give up their art or passion yes. um, and, and, just, and just make tofu. It is possible to also do um, other things. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, well, here's yeah. a question. How is it governed? How does it, how, well, what if so, people aren't get agreeing, getting along? <laughs> right. So I mentioned that our, the, the, the way we function is through sharing and the mm-hmm. value that we hold is equality. Mm-hmm. And so... The question is, and it's an important question, is how do you maintain equality if everybody is an equal owner and equally invested in the property, which we are? Um, how do you make decisions? And so it is a little bit bureaucratic, honestly, um, that we have a governing body, a group of planners, of three planners, but who only serve 18-month terms. So, There's only, so people, only three of them? Is that what you said? Just three people as the planners? Um, who are like the executive board okay, um, making it. sort of higher level decisions. Okay. Um, but it's a, because it's an 18-month term and you can't succeed yourself, many people get their, their chance, take their turn to serve on the executive board. Okay. But 
the main way that the community operates is that we have different areas. Like we have an auto maintenance area and an auto maintenance manager. We have the tofu business and a tofu team that runs the tofu business. Mm. And we have um, the kitchen. We have a kitchen manager. And we have about 70 or 80 different managerships and teams. And so most people are managers of something, and many people are managers of several different areas. And they have a, the managers have a fair amount of autonomy over how they make decisions in their area. Mm-hmm. So the woodshop manager can choose to buy um, a table saw or a whole bunch of nails and screws. Like okay. it, is, it is up to the woodshop manager how they provide their service to the community given the constraints provided by the community. So okay. at the end of the year, the whole community goes through a process, several meetings, a lot of papers, a lot of discussion to create our economic plan for the next year. Now, what is interesting is that Twin Oaks's economic plan incorporates um, money, you know, predictably, what the budgets mm-hmm. are, um, but also labor. Like, we have a fixed pool of labor, and the way that the labor works is that everybody's labor counts the same. So everybody has to work 42 hours, and you can work anywhere in the community. So one hour of child care counts as much as one hour being on the executive board. One hour of digging ditches mm-hmm. counts the same as one hour of uh, shopping in town. One hour mm-hmm. of cleaning your house is the same as one hour of earning income. So mm-hmm. it, it is all equal, and so the community distributes the resource of our collective labor. Um, mm-hmm. And so we only want the woodshop manager to spend about 200 hours managing that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the community provides the constraints, you know, the resource of 200 hours, but the constraint of not more than 200 hours. Um, so okay. that provides a lot of guidance for how people work in the community. Uh, about okay. half of our overall labor is income producing. Mm-hmm. So, and the rest is domestic areas. The rest is taking care of children, cooking, cleaning, shopping, filling out tax forms, things like that. Well, I like, and I like so that it because it's not just like, you know, when you say 42 hours at first, I was like, oh, that's a lot. But then I remember that that also includes things that people would do, you know, in a, in a job, traditional job is 40 hours a week, but then you're also cooking and cleaning and taking care of kids. And, but you're, that is captured in the 42 hours, which is great. Right. Most people work, say, a 40-hour-a-week job, and then they mm-hmm. go home and they right. take care of children and mow the lawn. But here, you do 42 yeah. hours and all the rest is leisure. Yeah, that's um, great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. If somebody wanted to create something like Twin Oaks, or, you know, some of the questions you may get, I know you get a lot of visitors that come and visit and are curious about Twin Oaks. I know you've done other interviews. Or, what are some things that people are afraid of, you know, in, to move there or to start something like Twin Oaks? What are, you, what are some of the things that you, the questions you hear a lot? It is a good question about what is it that people are afraid of. And mm-hmm. it's a little hard to pin down but because people don't say, I would join if it weren't for this. Right. Um, but largely, people are afraid of doing what is unfamiliar. Right. I'm going to go live on a commune. Mm-hmm. It does not compute for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so one has to have, the, the people who join Twin Oaks have to have a lot of sort of intestinal fortitude and have mm-hmm. opened their eyes a fair bit to different ways of living because this is unfamiliar. And most people are uncomfortable with doing what is unfamiliar. Right. And so it, it's a little bit like a step off a cliff. Like even if mm-hmm. people come and visit and they see Twin Oaks, it is, it is a, it is a big step. I mean, it's easy to leave Twin Oaks. Like you can join one day and leave the next day. Um, mm-hmm. But the average length of stay here is like 10 years. Wow. And so people mm-hmm. know that if somebody joins Twin Oaks, that the likelihood is that they're going to stay. Like it is a clear mm-hmm. fork in the road for most people. Like I'm going to go down the mainstream path and get go to college and get my degree and follow a career path, or I am going to join a commune. And even yeah. if I live there for five years and then do something different, it will be a big change in my life. Yeah. That is the biggest hurdle that people have to get over is not that there's anything specific that is difficult about Twin Oaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of ways in which it's not perfect. Um, but that it is the, the, I guess I'm going to repeat myself here. It is the biggest step is just doing something that people are not used to. Right. That's all. Well, and I, well, I wonder if it's also, um, I, don't, I guess, preconceived notions or stereotypes based on potentially false beliefs about what, you know, the word commune. I say this about the word meditation because some people think, you know, to be a meditator, you have to be Buddhists and sit on a, sh- a shrine for an hour every day. And same thing with, you know, people sometimes think communes are religious cults or something. And, you know, and I wonder if it's like this reframing of actually it's a way to just live together and share resources and talk to each other, and eat meals. And when people think about that, I think they're like, oh, that sounds pretty great. <laughs> I want that. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are people who uh, used to watch the Andy Griffith show and thought, I mm-hmm. want to live in Mayberry. I want to live in a small town where people know each other and care about each other. Mm. And really, this is about the closest to Mayberry in the United States that most people can find. Yeah. And so people don't think of Mayberry as like, oh, this is this extreme cult. But like, oh, that is a small town. People know each other. The, uh, there's, there's not real crime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and I think, you know, some of the things I'm thinking that for myself, you know, thinking about, because I've thought about living in a place like that or starting a place like that <laughs> or, you know, mm-hmm. and something. But I think, well, wh- what if I wanted to, you know, travel or something and go different places? And then I'm, but I'm remembering that you've done that. <laughs> like you've gone to Ecuador and Bolivia and um, Guatemala think, and Mexico. Guatemala. Yeah. Yeah. And, and somehow you, you've done that with a limited, you know, with a limited income. So, um, yeah. For, for a lot of people, um, um, most of the people who live at Twin Oaks have traveled before they came to Twin Oaks yeah. and mainly don't want to give up the possibility of travel. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that our communal living offers is a very flexible work schedule. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a flexible work schedule, then it makes travel significantly more possible. Like if somebody has a lot of money, but they only have two weeks of vacation. <laughs> yes, then yes. It doesn't matter that they have right. a lot of money because they only have a <laughs> finite amount of vacation. Whereas yes. if you have, um, 
like not much money, which we don't here, um, but you have a lot of flexibility about time, it's possible to um, schedule your travel at times when it's less expensive. Um, mm -hmm. We know people in various other countries who are willing to put people up or other mm -hmm. communities. Um, and there are possibilities. There's, there's ways to like earn a little extra money to cover mm -hmm. your travel expenses. So for people that are listening to this who may be interested and curious about you know, living in a communal lifestyle with other people, sharing resources, uh, is, there, is there a way for people to you know, do what Twin Oaks does but maybe keep a little more of their... Um, you know, say they want to live in their own house, for instance, but they want, they like the idea of sharing tools and sharing food. So it's kind of more of like a co-housing model. What do you think about yeah, that? There, yeah, yeah, there's a whole spectrum of like people who are drawn to be together with other people, to live in a communal existence. And, and Twin Oaks is on the far end of the, of the curve of like, of sharing and commitment to, to sharing. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different steps on the way. Um, so one, one, as you mentioned, is co-housing, um, and the other is uh, is a land trust, mm -hmm. and then there, and there are other places like that are similar to Twin Oaks that have a little less of like everybody's living um, in dormitory style buildings or, or where people are, have their own houses, and there is a, a one building that is a community center. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. what I could share with your audience is if people have questions that are not answered in this uh, interview, um, I, people can email me at keenan at twinoaks.org, K-E-E-N-A-N at twinoaks.org, no capitals, no dashes. Great. And they could, you're also on Facebook, right? Keenan Dakota, if they wanted to find you there too. Yeah. See pictures mm -hmm. of what it, what it looks like here? Sure. <laughs> Okay, that's good, because I'm sure they will have questions, so that's good. They can find you and contact you. So one of the things that when you're just saying co-housing model, when, you know, that's when people are still, if they own their own houses, they're still probably working in a traditional job, though, right? And not... Most co-housing models, that's correct. Like, it yes. is pretty unusual where you start your own business and start a community and taking care of your kids together and you know, doing all those things together is a pretty yeah. far end of the sharing end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. But it seems it's nice to hear that there's, you know, different ways to share and different levels of sharing. You share some things, maybe not everything. Um, that could work for some people in a different way, I suppose. Yeah, it can and it does. Yeah. I mean, it is the, the whole idea of sharing. Like back in the, in the 60s, there was a big back to the land movement, and that was the idea of back to the land, live a simpler life. Mm -hmm. um, but these days, the, the idea that is catching fire is sharing resources and the many different ways of sharing resources. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you start sharing, you start you're taking baby steps uh, away from the mainstream capitalist paradigm. Yes. And the more you share, the, the, the more control one has over one's own life. Yeah, definitely. And I see it happening a lot more, sharing. There's a tool library here. People will share tools. Um, there's a place for, like, a kitchen people can go cook in Portland yeah, anyway so it's happening and, uh, what bit. advice would you have for people who are maybe looking to 
create something like Twin Oaks, maybe wherever they live, or join um, something well, like Twin Oaks or similar. Right. Well, so there's a there are a lot of communities, and there is a website, and it's called intentionalcommunities.org, which conveniently abbreviates to ic.org. It is like okay. the shortest website ever. Yeah, and that's great. A huge, huge amount of information there about the many different people who are starting communities who have had started communities 40 years ago or groups of people who are interested. And so for people who are curious and want a little more information, ic.org is the best place to start. Okay. That's great. That's good. Well, um, so what about you though? Anything that you have words of advice or just, um, learnings that you have or things you've noticed since in the evolution of Twin Oaks when it was back when you joined in, what was it, the late 70s, well, early 80s? I mean, I, to know? One of the interesting things, I think, you know, about the, the evolution of the community is, is really how little it has changed. Like there was this initial hmm. commitment to sharing resources and everybody buying in and starting businesses here. And the sort of people who were drawn to the community in the 60s and 70s, you know, people who wanted to live a more ethical life. Like, it's the tail end of a quest to live an ethical life mm -hmm. um, and to, to live a life uh, equally with other people and to not have, like, a guru telling people what to do. Yes. Um, and the people who, the, the, the types of people who were drawn to the Twin Oaks 40 years ago are the same types of people who are joining now. So it is not that Twin Oaks has changed radically and that we have structured things very differently. Um, the community is better off. We have uh, we now have sort of more focus on families and family support. Our buildings are better built. But really the essential principles of the community that the community was founded on mm -hmm. have remained pretty much unchanged for the past yeah. 50 years. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a testament to the, the wisdom of the whole idea of like, we're going to share everything mm -hmm. and having, and that that actually is a robust system. You yeah. know, there, there are now uh, in our county, other, other groups have started other communities. Like we had a waiting list and some people wanted to start a community and that there are now seven different either income sharing or communal or cooperative ventures. Um, yeah. within biking distance of Twin Oaks. Wow. So our local movement is growing. Mm -hmm. um, do you know of any communities, you know, I think I'm just thinking of some people who have stereotypes of, you know, people who live in communes like hippies or, you know, free love and, and, and sharing literally everything. And I'm just wondering, are there any communities where I, I mean, I know that's, that, that are like for people who are maybe, more traditional and, you know, want to, I don't know. Um, they... Well, in, in Silicon Valley, um, yeah. they have sort of recreated the same idea, but for wealthy people. Um, and so they don't <laughs> want to call it income sharing. So it's a co-living. So co-living is, is communes for wealthy people. <laughs> okay, interesting. So that, so it's not really income sharing though, or is it? Um, some, I mean, different places are slightly different, but I, I think that it is more the living arrangements are co-living and not as much income sharing. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I, and I'm going to suggest too, if, if people are listening as and interested, they, they could actually go visit Twin Oaks, right? If they're curious and wanting to dispel any stereotypes that they yeah. you're open to visitors, is that right? In in the neighborhood, every mm -hmm. Saturday, if people call ahead, um, okay. we have a tour of the community. So that's just like a, a three-hour thing, walk around the community, meet some people. Um, we also, throughout the year, have a three-week visit for people who are pretty serious about the whole experience. Um, mm -hmm. That You can come and just be at Twin Oaks for three weeks uh, and work among at the community. Um, and that is a first step for people who are interested in membership, but it's not mandatory to be interested in membership in order to do the three-week visit. Um, okay. We don't have much in between. So for people who want to come for a weekend or a week, we, we have found that just a short visit like that is actually more, um, more, it doesn't give people as much information as being here for an entire three weeks. Right. Unless you're related to somebody there. <laughs> right. Then you, yeah, you can That's call what I did. In the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get special privileges. Um, you do. Yeah. So, all right. So then that's www.twinoaks.org and people can learn more about Correct. setting up a visit. Great. Yeah. You all have a cooperative health insurance program, something that you're doing too, which is another side bonus, right? It is. Yeah. Um, and it's a complicated more than we want to explain here, but okay. just people... People's health care gets taken care of. That's, yeah, it's, but it exists, and it's pretty cool from when you described it to me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you so much, Keenan, for sharing your thoughts and experience. And <laughs> It's been nice talking to you, and I won't tell anybody that I used to change your diapers. <laughs> all right. That is, I will tell them that you used to also take me roller skating, and we would eat lots of junk food. <laughs> yeah. Good uncle. Good uncle. Yeah. Fun uncle. Thank you for listening to this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the Courageous Path podcast, and don't forget to subscribe or follow it here. To learn more about me, you can find me at www.soulfulworkconsulting.com, and I'm Rachel Horton White of Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting. Hope to see you next time and have a wonderful day.